So last week, we talked about uh, Jesus' lineage, about the Gospel of Matthew begins with a whole list of Jesus and where he came from. And, and it was important for Matthew to make the point that Jesus came from the house of David. The, the Jews expected the Messiah to come out of the house of David. That was the prophecy that, um, that was there. And we also took a look at the story about Mary being uh, told that she's going to become pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And we sort of imagined maybe what that conversation might be like that Mary had with Joseph, having to explain that she was pregnant. Don't worry, it wasn't another man, it was the Holy Spirit. Well, we know from Scripture that that conversation did not go particularly well. Because scripture tells us that Joseph had decided he was going to dismiss her quietly. Now let me talk about that for just a minute. His dismissing her quietly means that Joseph's at the short end of the stick here. So most people in the community are going to assume that other. made fun of. He's the one that is out the dowry that he's already paid to Mary's family. And he's going to end up looking like the bad guy. So, so we understand what Joseph is doing here. And he is being a righteous man. He's being a gentle man in sort of allowing this thing to just go away. But then we read in Scripture that Joseph has a dream. It's Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25 is our Scripture reading today. Now the birth of the Messiah, of Jesus the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. So as a preacher, I read this text and I get really excited. I mean, this text is so dense. I mean, I could talk about the virgin birth. I could talk about the prophecy of the virgin birth. I could talk about the whole Catholic question about whether or not Mary was a virgin all of her life. I could talk about the lineage of Jesus. I could talk about the name of Jesus. 
could talk about a lot of things. But don't worry. You'll make almost make kickoff. I'm just going to talk today about angels and fear. Angels and fear. So what do you think of when I talk about an angel? Somebody in a white robe, maybe with a harp and some wings and floating around on a cloud. Maybe that's what we think. But in most of our heads, angels have wings. In most of the stories that we see about angels, they've got wings. But in scripture, angels are actually described as people. A man appeared, a woman appeared. The word angel comes from the Greek word agalos, which means messenger. So if you look at what angels have done through scripture, they're messengers of God. They're bringing God's word to people. Now, scripture has some places where it talks about things with wings. In the books of Ezekiel and Daniel, and in the book of Revelation specifically, they talk about these beings flying about the throne with wings. Some of them have six wings. Some of them have four heads. Some of them look like eagles. I don't know. They sound really scary to me. But there's nothing about angels having wings and floating around. I mean, maybe we have this whole angel thing a little backwards. I mean, what if you could be an angel? Maybe you can be an angel to someone else. I know I was an angel to someone else at least once. Can't remember anybody calling me an angel other than that time. So this was 1987, 1988. For some of you, this is completely unimaginable. It was before they had cell phones. So I had been training my dog somewhere and was on my way home. And there was this car in front of me. I was supposed to meet my wife. We were supposed to go out to dinner, and I was late. And because we didn't have cell phones, I couldn't pick up the phone and go, hey, I'm going to be late. And there's this car in front of me that's going so slow. And I am so frustrated. I'm ready to get home. And so I zipper, finally get a chance to zip around them. And I look in my rearview mirror and there's sort of white smoke coming out from under the engine. And I resist the urge to tell them they're number one driving so slow. And the Holy Spirit goes whack in my head with like a rolled up newspaper and said, you help them. I was like, okay, fine. So I whip in the gas station. It's right at the corner of Richmond and Westland. I drive by it still this day. And so I whipped in this gas station, and they're stuck, not very far from the gas station, not far from the corner, right? Get out of my car. I go knock on the window, and the lady rolls down the window, and I can't make this up. There were four nuns in the car. 
And so I'm like, what's happening? She goes, I don't know. My car is overheating. I said, well, pop your hood. Let me take a look. And I'm not much of a mechanic, but it was really easy to see. One of her radiator hoses had popped off of her radiator, and it was spewing radiator fluid all over the place. And so I helped. I think maybe somebody came. I can't remember how, but we pushed her car up into the gas station parking lot, and I said, look, I live about five minutes from here. I'll go home. I'll get my tools. I'll come back. I'll put it back together. I did that, put radiator fluid and some water in there, and I decided I was going to follow them home to make sure that no other hoses came off. They apparently had had some work done. Um, imagine that. It wasn't done right. So anyway, so I follow them home and make sure that they get home, and I get out of my car, and I'm saying goodbye to them, and the nun looks at me and goes, you're my angel. I've never been called an angel before, except maybe by some auntie going, oh, you're such an angel. But I hang on to that, that I was somebody's angel. I mean, I was sent by God. I mean, the Holy Spirit told me to stop and help them. And so I was sent by God to help them. Maybe that's what angels are. Maybe all of us can really be angels to other people. I mean, when's the last time you did something for somebody else for no reason, other than it's the right thing to do or because you can? We can be angels. I want to tell you a secret. You can't tell this to anybody. Because if it got out, it might change the world. When I do something good for somebody else, for no reason other than because I can, or because it's the right thing to do, do you know what I feel? I feel joy. I mean, the person I did this for, they might feel joy. But I feel joy. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you can't tell anybody about this because it might change the world. I mean, can you imagine a whole bunch of people just going around doing random act of kindness because it's the nice thing, it's the right thing, it's the good thing to do? I mean, if we all started doing that, we might be just a whole church full of joy addicts. I think that might be a good thing. We can find joy in doing for others. So, so this Christmas season, I invite you to find a way to be an angel to someone else. So I think it is interesting that in other texts we see an angel appearing to Mary or an angel appearing directly to Elizabeth. But in our text today, the angel appears to Joseph in a dream. 
Why is that? I mean, was there something about Joseph that, that made maybe an angel showing up difficult for him to believe? I mean, maybe it would have caused him a heart attack. It's interesting that, that God's messengers sometimes show up in person in all their glory, and, and sometimes they show up in our dreams. What I learned from that is that God will talk to us in the best way for us. Some of us may hear direct voices. Some of us may actually see angels. I have friends that have. I've had people that have received their call to ministry in an oral call. Hey, Mike, this is God. I need you to go into the ministry for me. I had people that experienced that. Mine was a little different. I think I shared with you before that um, I thought it was sort of a long-term case of, uh, of uh, indigestion. Because there was just this voice that kept talking to me. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. It wasn't actually a voice in my head that I could actually hear. It was more like sort of in the back of my mind. And it never went away. And so I was like, okay. And one, one night in particular, we were, uh, Michelle and I were talking about this call and what it meant for our life. And, and it was scary. I mean, leaving my six-figure banking job to go become a minister. And oh my goodness. And what does that mean for our children? And how are we going to pay for college? And all of those things. So we'd had that conversation that night, and I woke up at three-something with that voice in my head saying, Luke. Now, it was nothing like the Star Wars Luke thing, but it was Luke. Luke. It wouldn't go away. I tried to go to sleep. wouldn't go away. I tried to go back to sleep. wouldn't go away. It was Luke, Luke, Luke. And then it was like 12. And I was like, really? I want to sleep. And it was Luke 12, Luke 12, Luke 12. And listen, I am not a Bible scholar now, and I certainly was not a Bible scholar then. I have no idea what Luke 12 was about. And then it's Luke 12, verse 2. I was like, okay, fine. I will get up. And so I got up walked in my den, opened up my Bible, and it was one of those red-letter Bibles where everything that Jesus says is red. And it's the second sentence, it's the second verse in this long speech that Jesus makes. And it was like that had been written for me. P? Pulpit. I need to speak from the pulpit. Thank you.
P is for pulpit and for profit, right? So I opened up the Bible, and it was like it was written for me. See, God will talk to us in the best way for us to hear, the best way for us to understand. Now, I told you I wanted to talk about fear. The phrase, do not be afraid, appears in Scripture 70 times, 7-0. 70 times those exact words appear in the New Revised Standard Version. Do not be afraid. Oftentimes, it is God speaking to his servant, saying, Moses, do not be afraid. Go to Pharaoh and set my people free. Sometimes it's the angel of the Lord that has shown up, and you know it's an angel because the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. Sometimes it's Jesus talking to us and his disciples, do not be afraid. And there are instances of it being a friend telling another friend, do not be afraid. I think this is a great word for us, especially in 2020. Do not be afraid. I mean, I remember when the pandemic was starting and then we all got that stay-at-home order. I mean, churches around the world, certainly around our country, all went, <gasps> what does this mean? What does this mean for our future? And what I heard was God saying, do not be afraid. And that has panned out. We're doing okay. Yeah, we might have to find a new way to do things. Things might feel a little different. But I'm not going to be afraid about what the future holds. And so I've learned this over my 20 years in ministry and my 58 years in life. God is going to call you to do something and it's going to make you uncomfortable. You can write this down. It's a fact. Whatever God calls you to do is going to make you feel uncomfortable. I would propose to you, if you are currently living your life and you feel very comfortable with all that you are doing for the Lord, You've missed something. Doing God's work makes us uncomfortable. So I don't want you to hear this, though. This is a word for us in the church, and this is a word for us in our lives. Do not be afraid. But this does not give you carte blanche to go walking down the street saying, I am not afraid, and that bus is not going to hit me. God gave you a brain. He expects you to use it. 
There's really very little in life that we should be afraid of. I had this bit of wisdom dropped on me by a person, maybe they were an angel. I can't remember who it was. But, but they were telling me about what was going in their, on in their life. They were dealing with aging parents. Um, a loved one had had cancer. Uh, they had a child that was sick. I mean, it was just this litany of things at that, that, that moment where you're feeling like, come on, am I Job? So that's what was happening in this person's life. And they turned and looked at me after they finished talking about it. And I said something like, wow, that's awful or something. And they said this to me, this little bit of wisdom that has never left. But none of this affects my salvation. I mean, that's where we are, y'all. That's where we live in this world. We know the saving grace of Jesus Christ and nothing in this world can take that away. And what is there to fear when the things of this world do not affect your salvation? Do not be afraid are often the first words out of God's messenger's mouth. Pay attention when you hear those words and do not be afraid because there's something else coming and it might be scary. It might ask you to step out in faith Because angels don't just have wings. Sometimes you are the angel. Sometimes someone is the angel to you. I'm urging you this Christmas season to be an angel to someone else. For no other reason then it's the right thing to do. Or because you can. I bet you'll experience some great joy from that moment as well. Go from this place. Do not be afraid to be an angel to someone else. Let us pray. Gracious God, what a privilege it is to be called your child, a child of grace, a child of the Most High God. We know, Father, that there are angels all around us, and that they are sent by you. Father, help us to be one of those angels for you. Help us to go out into the world and be the hands and the love and the feet of Jesus. Help us to be the embodied example of the good news of Christ, of salvation, and of grace. Let us go from this place without fear. For you are with us. 
Nothing else matters. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.